What really happens to fat when we lose weight? Where does the stuff go? How does it leave your fat cells and then your body? In today's episode, we are unraveling the super interesting, complex, and surprising journey of how your body burns fat during weight loss. From the moment you hit a calorie deficit to the end result of a slimmer waistline, join us as we decode the metabolic processes and bust common myths about fat loss. Welcome to the Wits and Weights podcast. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and this twice-a-week podcast is dedicated to helping you achieve physical self-mastery by getting stronger, optimizing your nutrition, and upgrading your body composition. We'll uncover science-backed strategies for movement, metabolism, muscle, and mindset with a skeptical eye on the fitness industry so you can look and feel your absolute best. Let's dive right in. Wits and Weights community, welcome to another solo episode of the Wits and Weights podcast. In our last episode 145, Brian Borstein on failure training, intensity, home gyms, specialization, and cardio, Brian shared his vast knowledge on training methods such as length of partials, maximizing metabolic stress, intensity techniques to save time and ramp up muscle growth, ideas for leg movements in a limited home gym, his thoughts on cardio, and how to specialize your training for specific body parts, an epic conversation back on 145. Today, for episode 146, how your body actually burns fat during weight loss, where does it go? You'll learn the hidden mechanics of fat loss, which I must admit (laughs) took me back to my love of basic science. And this was a good refresher on how all of this works. This is something I've been fascinated with for a while. Today, you're going to learn how your body transforms fat into energy during a calorie deficit, the very interesting dance of hormones and enzymes that mobilize fat cells, and the surprising ways that fat literally exits your body, which is what we're going for, to cause your weight to trend downward over time. Now, to make it a bit more practical for this episode, it's not just the science, I'm also going to debunk some of the more persistent fat loss myths explain the impact of activity and strength training on fat loss, and conclude with practical, sustainable strategies for effective fat loss and body recomposition. I want to give a big shout out to Jasiris in our Wits and Weights Facebook group for suggesting this topic. I had created a post where I asked about things that you wish you knew more about, but haven't heard lately on a podcast. And we have a lot of people who are avid podcast listeners, not just to this show, but if you listen to this show, you probably listen to, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 other shows like it. And of course, we're we're trying to be unique here and hit on things that aren't covered as much in other shows. Um and that's why I wanted to find out what you, you know, were interested in. So this was definitely an awesome idea, just see this, something that I'm surprised I hadn't come up with because I I've been fascinated by it myself. I've lost sleep over thinking about what the heck is happening <laughs> when I go to bed at one weight and I wake up at another? What is going on? So huge thank you for the idea. Speaking of the Facebook group, if you're feeling like you're going it alone and would benefit from some real support and engagement by people with the same or similar goals as you, such as body composition, building muscle, losing fat, all the things, come join the 100% free Wits and Weights Facebook community. It's an extremely positive community. Now, I've been in a lot of Facebook groups and I've met people who just don't get a great feel from a lot of these groups, but then they join our group and they're like, this is the one group I'm going to be in and I'm going to use Facebook just for this because it's so supportive, so positive. We've got experts that come in. Um, I post a lot of exclusive content 
There's the Ask Philip thread every Friday where I answer your questions live in the group. So you can post your question throughout the week and then I'll answer it live. We have exclusive workshops like the Mindset Workshop on Stopping Self-Tabotage with Paul Salter, exclusive lives, challenges, so many things in the group. So I invite you to click the link in my show notes. Always there. Every episode, no matter what your episode you're in, you'll see a link to join the Wits and Weights Facebook group. So you can see what it's all about. You can always leave if you don't like it, but I am pretty sure you're going to really love the atmosphere. And then you could talk to other driven individuals who are looking to improve their body composition using the evidence-based approaches that we talk about for training, nutrition, health, physique, all of that. Again, just click the link in the show notes or search Wits and Weights on Facebook to join the Wits and Weights Facebook community. All right, enough of that. Let's jump into today's very, very intriguing topic how your body actually burns fat during weight loss, where does it go? So when you are in a calorie deficit, meaning you are consuming uh, fewer calories than your body is burning, the body says, whoa, what's going on? You're asking me to do things like exist, move, <laughs> lift weights, whatever, you know, pump your heart, but you're not giving me enough energy in the form of food. And so the body needs to pull from its energy stores, fat cells. That's right. That's 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 what we love about it. They're like they're like our battery cells, and we want them to shrink in certain cases. And it's going to pull from those energy stores, those fat cells, to make up for the lack of energy coming from that. So the main energy store in the body is fat. It's stored in what we call adipose tissue, and to tap into those fat stores, the body goes through this complex metabolic process to release the energy contained in those fat cells and make it available for the body to use. Now, you might have heard it's it's um, pretty easy to gain fat, but it's also not so hard to lose it, right? So it kind of is, is a fast process uh, when we look at how this all works. Now, our body stores this this any excess energy that comes in, in fat cells. It, it converts it in some way. And we're not going to go through that process, but those fat cells, those adipocytes, they get stored, the, the energy does, in the form of triglycerides. So you've probably heard of that because triglycerides get measured uh, if you ever get your blood work done, you see your LDL, HDL, and triglycerides. And this is why one of uh, kind of a general proxy for poor health is high triglycerides because it indicates higher uh, fat storage, right? Higher body fat. Now, to tap into these fat reserves, you need to be in a calorie deficit, meaning you consume fewer calories than you burn. However, so I said that earlier, however, you can tap into these fat cells even when you're not in a, a total gross deficit. But you're building muscle at the same time, and your body ends up being in a net deficit after accounting for the energy to build that muscle. So it gets a little confusing because you're like, well, how do I lose fat even when I'm not in a deficit? It's simply because to your body, in terms of what it needs for energy, it thinks it's in a deficit because you've already used some of that energy to build muscle, just to simplify it. And, it, and it's like, wait a minute, I still need more energy, so I'm going to pull it from the fat cells. Uh, but to keep this simple, we're going to just say that you are in a calorie deficit, meaning you're eating less than you burn, and then that'll make it easy to understand. All right. So I want to start with a concept called fat cell mobilization. For fat burning to occur, and you know, when we say burn, we don't mean like it's literally on fire, uh, but yet there is some sense of reality to that uh, because we are expending the energy. For fat burning to occur, First, the fat itself has to be broken down into what's called free fatty acids and glycerol. 
and it does this through a process called lipolysis. This occurs when hormones that regulate your fat metabolism trigger those fat cells to release their contents. So that's just very high level, right? There are hormones that regulate your fat metabolism. They trigger their cells to release their contents. And there are one, two, three, yeah, four key hormones that I'm going to talk about briefly here. The first one is adrenaline and noradrenaline, kind of a combo. Um, so a lot of the terms I'm going to throw out here are, are sciencey, and even I don't understand them all because I'm not a biologist, but I'm, I'm saying it verbatim. So catecholamine hormones, I think that's how you pronounce it, are secreted by the adrenal glands. So you know the adrenal glands which produce adrenaline, and this happens in multiple times, but especially during exercise, fasting, which is just another fancy way to say calorie deficit, meaning even within a given day, there are times at which your body is, is, is in a deficit, but even over the long term as well, and also stress, right? So these um, hormones that are secreted activate an enzyme called hormone-sensitive lipase, HSL, that directly breaks down the triglycerides into free fatty acids. Uh, put another way, they bind to the receptors on fat cells, signaling them to release stored fat. So just to, just to summarize, right? You do certain things like go into a calorie deficit. There's hormones that get secreted, and they tell the triglycerides to break down into free fatty acids. All right. Then we have growth hormone. So growth hormone is secreted by the pituitary gland, and it's done so in pulses, which I think is really interesting, um, especially during sleep and high-intensity exercise. So growth hormone activates lipolysis. Remember, lipolysis is this conversion process through triglyceride, <laughs> triglyceride lipase enzyme and by boosting the effects of other fat-burning hormones. So th this is as complicated as it's going to get, trust me. But if, if you nerd out on this stuff, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, insulin. We all know about insulin. This is an anabolic hormone. It's an anabolic hormone. We, we love insulin in the strength and lifting community. As much as of a bad rap as it gets, for in, in the anti-carb world, it's something we are happy to have because it's anabolic. And it promotes glycogen, fat, and protein storage when you have lots of nutrients. But when you're in a deficit, the insulin drops and your low insulin levels further facilitate lipolysis. And then finally, we have cortisol, right? The stress hormone. It's released again by your adrenals, another hormone re released by your adrenal glands, when you are fasting or you're in, in a starvation mode or in a calorie deficit, right? This is why fat loss is stressful for you. Cortisol raises blood sugar and it promotes gluconeogenesis and providing fatty acids as fuel, right? Gluconeogenesis is when you convert protein into glucose. It prevents adipose tissue from taking up and storing circulated fats. So this, in this case, that's a positive that we're, we're going for because it's actually preventing the storage of fat cells. So the combination of all these hormones in this very complex dance end up freeing the fatty acids from the triglycerides. And these free fatty acids and the glycerol enter your bloodstream, and now they can be transported to your tissues for energy production. So we're not even talking about the loss of fat yet. We're just talking about the release of the energy from your fat cells, which your body needs. That's why you released it. Your body didn't have enough energy because you were effectively starving it with a calorie deficit, it now needs that energy to kind of make up the difference before it then has the byproducts that lead to weight loss that we're going to get to in a second. Okay? Hope you're still with me. All right. So that was fat cell mobilization. Now we have fatty acid oxidation. 
So once those fatty acids, those free fatty acids are circulating in the bloodstream, they can be transported to your various tissues like your muscle cells, right? And they enter the mitochondria of the cells. You may remember that term from biology. And they undergo what's called beta oxidation. At the end, the end result is they produce ATP, adenosine triphosphate. ATP is the body's usable energy. You may have heard about ATP with when if you've ever learned about energy systems or the fact that we need that ATP when we uh, we strength train or that when you take creatine, it increases the uptake uh, of ATP into the muscles, which helps with your lifting, right? ATP, it's effectively the uh, the atomic unit of energy for the body. Atomic not meaning atom, but but like a single, it's the ultimate unit of energy. Here's what happens. Number one, fatty acid molecules are broken apart in various stages. And these release what are called acetyl groups. Number two, the acetyl groups go through chemical reactions in the Krebs cycle. Again, biology, I'm not getting into this. Trust me, this is as, as detailed as I go. That Krebs cycle then causes these to produce electrons. Those electrons feed into the electron transport chain, and that generates ATP molecules. Again, the body's energy currency. Now, you don't have to understand any of what I'm talking about in this episode to lose fat, <laughs> but it's really fascinating. At least I find it so. So this process of using oxygen in mitochondria to break apart fatty acids and generate ATP is what we call fat oxidation, right? So you see why it's called that. We're using oxygen in the cells, break apart the fatty acids, generate ATP. Now, before you actually lose weight, lots of the energy released as ATP is, of course, used by your body for all of its cellular processes, like digestion, keeping your organs functioning, your heart pumping. You're exercising, you're walking, you're using of your muscles, lifting weights, even sleeping, basically every breathing, right? Everything that makes up your body's metabolism and adds up to what we think of as your maintenance calories, right? Your TDEE, all the, all the energy you need throughout the day from, you know, 12 midnight to 12 midnight the next day, your TDEE is you need energy from somewhere. So if you don't get it from food because you're in a deficit, you get it from your fat cells as ATP that's been oxidized. Now, since you're in that calorie deficit, right, and your body has pulled extra energy from fat cells that it couldn't get from your food, here's where the magic happens that causes you to lose physical weight on the scale, all right? The carbon atoms from this process are ultimately released as carbon dioxide, and the hydrogen atoms combine with oxygen atoms to form water. And this is where we get all of the weight loss during fat burning. These turn into three things. Okay, two I just mentioned, and then a third I'll mention in a second. Carbon dioxide, water, and other minerals. So carbon dioxide, around 84% of the mass loss from fat comes from you breathing out CO2. Each triacyglycerol molecule holds a bunch of carbon atoms. And this is a byproduct of the oxidation process we talked about earlier and all the cellular processes that occur that get used, that, were, that use the fat cells. What you're left with is this triacyglycerol molecule, and it has a bunch of carbon atoms that get released. And they combine with the, the carbon and oxygen combined to CO2. So 84% of the weight you lose, you're breathing it out. That's it, right? And I was, I was shocked to hear this uh, when I learned it. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I always thought it was 
your sweat, your urine, your going to the bathroom, uh, heat, you know, but 84% of the mass loss comes from breathing out CO2. 16%, so almost all the rest, come out as water. So this is the loss of hydrogen atoms combining with oxygen to form water. And that comes out through your sweat, your urine, your respiration, like, you know, your breathing, where there's, there's liquid in your breath as well, and then some other physiological processes. So it's not nothing. Still, 16% of what you lose does come out in the form of water, but 84% of it's carbon dioxide. And then there's a trace amount, like a half percent or less, that come out as other minerals like phosphorus and sulfur, which, you know, can come out in your urine, for example, hence the smell. Okay, so the carbon dioxide, the CO2 production happens continuously, right? It's always happening. You're obviously always breathing out, but it could reach its highest rates after you eat or during aerobic exercise. And this is why there's all these links between exercise and fat burning and types of exercise, fasted training, and all these other things. At the end of the day, don't try to game the system when it comes to fat burning in that sense. Just be consistent and do the work and it'll happen. Hey, this is Philip, and I hope you're enjoying this episode of Wits and Weights. I started Wits and Weights to help people who want to build muscle, lose fat, and actually look like they lift. I've noticed that when people improve their strength and physique, they not only look and feel better, they transform other areas of their life, their health, their mental resilience, and their confidence in everything they do. And since you're listening to this podcast, I assume you want the same things, the same success, whether you recently started lifting or you've been at this for a while and want to optimize and reach a new level of success. Either way, my one-on-one coaching focused on engineering your physique and body composition is for you. If you want expert guidance and want to get results faster, easier, and with fewer frustrations along the way to actually look like you lift, go to witsandweights.com and click on coaching or use the link in my show notes to apply today. I'll ask you a few short questions to decide if we're a good fit. And if we are, we'll get you started this week. Now, back to the show. Now, the water loss tends to be steadier, right? It's, it's not continuously like the CO2. It's more from sweat, from urinating. It depends on your breathing rate, things like that. So in summary, here's the thing. The fat exits fat cells, enters the bloodstream. It travels to cells for energy processing. And then leaves the body as CO2 and water, resulting in weight loss from the loss of carbon atoms. That's it. You're losing carbon. All right. So that's the metabolic process. I hope, hopefully, I kept it high enough level and, and simple enough that you're like, wow, that's interesting. And maybe I want to learn more about bits and pieces of that. And maybe I'm shocked or surprised that most of it comes out of CO2. And that's how you're physically losing weight. Right. Now, a real caveat there is that your day-to-day scale weight doesn't tell you enough information to know how much of that is from the loss of CO2 because the water weight fluctuates significantly. We've talked about that before in the show, but if you're new to the show or you're you know, wondering about scale weight, the reason we like I like my clients to weigh themselves every single day is so that we get used to the fact that your weight fluctuates by multiple pounds almost every single day. And only through the trend over time can we tell if you're actually losing fat. These carbon atoms are actually leaving your body over time. So it's almost like the the carbon atoms leave slowly, you know, to the tune of, let's say, a pound a week. But every day, water water molecules go in and out at at a rate of, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six pounds a day. So the signal in the noise is hard to detect. 
unless you're capturing your weight daily over a long time, and by long, I mean two to three weeks, to see that, that it's actually trending. Your body mass is actually reducing carbon atoms via carbon dioxide. All right, so I did want to touch a little bit on exercise, strength training, your metabolic rate, and how they engage with um, this process of fat storage and using fat for fuel as well. And then we'll get into common fat loss myths. So just the act of engaging in physical activity really helps with the process of accessing and utilizing fat for fuel. Now, you know that we are a diet neutral show. We don't um, emphasize one quote unquote diet or of another. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of flexible dieting and using what works for you. I don't vilify carbs. I don't vilify fat either, or any, any macros really. And we don't really get into the discussions of like, Becoming a fat burner, you know, versus carb burner in the keto world, you know, going to ketosis, all, all of that. You use fat for fuel regardless, whether it's your quote unquote primary source because you're short on glucose or not. You you end up using fat for fuel, and of course, liberating fat from fat cells in the process we just talked about. That's the whole point. That's what fat loss is: is liberating fat, getting those fatty acids available as an energy source uh, via ATP. Right now. Being mobile and moving a lot and strength training, these all these activities regulate the hormones that are behind fat metabolism, like cortisol, right? You can become more adaptable to your cortisol curve. You can burn down some of that cortisol if it's too high when you strength train and so on. And this only improves the fat oxidation during and after exercise. So there is evidence to say that independent of a calorie deficit, you're going to be more uh, effective at burning fat. Uh, by being an active person, by getting enough sleep, by strength training, right? So it's kind of a, it, it uh, feeds on itself. Not only is it beneficial for the, the building muscle aspect and the cardiovascular aspect, it also helps you become better at burning fat. And we know of other things like the fact that if you're sleep deprived, you'll, you'll store fat in the more dangerous visceral area and things like that that have been demonstrated by the evidence. So there's obviously some connection there. There's both the, I'll say the aerobic aspect or the calorie burning aspect, like when you just walk or run or swim or cycle or anything, where you are going to burn, you're going to burn calories and some of those are going to be fat calories. You know, there's glucose, there's fat. You're always going to burn some fat and it's quite a bit, you know, depending on the activity, right? And of course, this leads to fat release and transport after you exercise. So there's some, there's some evidence that shows that fat burning goes up even after exercise. So it's not massive, right? We never want to overblow these things. Um, but you've probably heard that before. And so again, just it feeds on itself. Strength training burns fats, burns fat in multiple ways. Okay. The the primary way that I I love about it <laughs> is it increases your metabolic rate, right? Building muscle elevates your BMR, you know, again, not massively, but t- to the tune of, you know, six to ten calories per pound of muscle that you just burn for having that muscle. And, you know, a male can gain 30 or 40 pounds of muscle in, in his like a natural um, lifting career, maybe a little more. So, I mean, if you had the full 40 pounds of muscle, that's 400 calories a day you're burning versus the person that doesn't just for existing, right? So that's an amazing thing. Strength training also boosts fat oxidation, which is what we were just talking about. It enhances your body's ability to use the fat, it shuttles it into your muscle cells for energy because you need that. Boom, just the act of lifting weights is a fat burning activity. And then it improves insulin sensitivity. We know this as well. It encourages, you know, obviously muscle growth itself. It needs the insulin and the anabolic result of that insulin. 
and it balances the insulin activity as a result, right? You're effectively saying, yeah, give me that blood sugar spike or give me that extra insulin because I'm going to use it and it bounces off and therefore you become uh, metabolically resilient and more insulin sensitive. And then it's harder for you to store fat over time. I always question statements like that because in in the right calorie um, surplus, you're going to store fat. But I've seen this anecdotally and I've heard it from many, many people that the more muscle you build, just the the harder it is to gain, it seems to gain fat after you build up that muscle. And it also seems harder when you're a little bit leaner, uh, even though some people think it's the opposite. But it seems to be like a runaway effect when you start getting too much body fat. Whereas if you stay leaner, kind of in this nice range, this healthy range, I don't know, for males, let's say 10 to 20% or something, not something. That, that's a reasonable range right there that you're kind of in an optimal area to not gain too fat more quickly than you want. It's still going to come down to how well-trained you are, how much muscle you already have, and what rate of gain you go, of course. All right. So that's how activity plays into fat. There are a bunch of um, misconceptions around how our bodies burn fat that I also wanted to address. So these are you know, common myths that I came up with. So these are four in particular that I still hear. The first one is spot reduction. Okay, you can't do it. You can't target fat loss from a specific body part with a particular exercise or 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 anything, right? Fat cells throughout your body are oxidized, like indiscriminately. One of the few, I guess, caveats to that is you can seem to gain fat in certain areas. For example, if you have if you drink more alcohol or if you don't get enough sleep, you'll gain belly fat. And also women, because of changes in hormones and peri and postmenopause, like the change in estrogen, may cause more belly fat storage. But again, it's it's a matter of where your body tends to store fat. You can't target the reduction of fat from a particular area without something drastic like surgery. So that's the first one. So if you're trying to reduce belly fat or you're trying to reveal your six-pack abs or whatever, the best thing to do is train your abs and lose fat. That's it. Train your abs and lose fat. All right. The second misconception is that fat turns into muscle. That doesn't happen. Okay. Fat and muscle are two different tissues. Fat cannot directly convert into muscle mass after it's lost. There are two different things that are happening potentially at the same time. Like you could be burning fat while you are building muscle. Two different things. The third one is, I guess I'll call it overnight fat loss, right? Like if your scale drops two pounds overnight on the scale, you didn't lose two pounds of fat. Sorry. That's not what happened. Okay. You, whatever fat you lost, was probably equivalent to your calorie deficit. So if you were in a thousand calorie deficit for the day, okay, that's one seventh of two pounds. Okay, so that that would be like if you lost two pounds a week. So that'd be like a, a seventh of that, which is a fraction a fraction of a pound. I'm not going to do the math right now. <laughs> Point is, if your scale drops by two, three, four, five pounds overnight, it's water. It's mostly water. All right. The noticeable fat loss occurs over time and it will happen. It occurs over weeks and months after a cumulative calorie deficit through your diet, right? And also through, well, no, exclusively through your diet. But of course, being active and burning more calories and having more muscle allows you to be in that deficit, potentially eating more food. That makes sense. There's no shortcuts, no shortcuts, right? Number four, the fourth is about rapid fat loss. So I've talked about rapid fat loss before. I even have a, a rapid fat loss guide. And rapid fat loss is a very controlled protocol done for a very short time, like two weeks. 
two weeks at the most, where you're training really intensely, not intensely, but the intensity of your training is high. The load is high, right? The weight on the bar is high and your protein is quite high and you're able to hold on to most of your muscle mass while losing a bunch of fat in two weeks. That's, that's a controlled rapid fat loss protocol. But what most people do is they lose fat way too quickly, not using one of those protocols, but just on a regular diet or a, you know, extreme restriction or a named diet where they cut out a bunch of food groups, like cut out carbs or cut out all, you know, plant products like carnivore. And they lose a bunch of weight very quickly. A lot of it's water weight initially, but then they might lose a bunch of tissue. But the problem is it's not all fat. In fact, probably 25% or even more is muscle, muscle loss, let alone the diet not being sustainable, right? So yeah, your weight on the scale is going to drop really quickly if you do that, but you just lost a ton of muscle that's going to take time and effort to get back. You're going to look skinny fat. It's not the physique you're going for at all. What's the point? Why would you do that? Don't do that. All right. So you can't speed up fat loss. Fat loss just will occur at the rate that it occurs. And if you push the needle too far, you're going to start losing muscle. It's just like in the other direction. When you're trying to gain muscle, you can't speed up muscle building by just gaining more weight. You're just going to gain more fat. The body has limits at which it can do these things. All right. And then I mentioned um, briefly before, and I want to touch on it again, that it is possible especially for individuals who are training but but are still newer in their training journey to burn significant fat not not just fat but a significant amount of fat without necessarily losing weight through body recomposition right this occurs when you're building effectively an equal amount of muscle mass to replace the lost fat you're not converting you're not converting fat into muscle but you're doing both at the same time and so you're you're eating at this level of calories that appears to maintain your weight, but chances are it's actually more than that because you're compensating for the fact that your body is building this extra tissue. And so it's actually burning more than it would otherwise, right? And um, and that's why body recomp can be deceptive to some people when they start lifting. They're like, their waist goes down, they start getting stronger, and but they're not gaining or losing weight. So that could be happening for sure. And I mentioned why before, it's because your body thinks it's in a little bit of a deficit because it doesn't have enough energy left over after the body uses what it needs to build muscle. The more advanced you are, the less this is going to happen because muscle gets added at a much slower rate in more advanced trainees. And therefore, the, the comparison of, of muscle gain to fat gain is lopsided. Like You can't gain that much muscle in that scenario. So you're either just not going to gain much muscle at maintenance, or you're going to have to be in a slight deficit. I'm sorry, you're going to have to gain weight to build muscle or you're going to primarily lose fat even when you're at maintenance. You're not going to build much muscle. Okay, I, I hope I explained all that. When it comes to body fat in general, body measurements, like your waist circumference, you know how, how you look, how you feel in your clothes, things like that, are going to give you better insight than either the scale or some sort of body fat measurement device, which are very inaccurate. So uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that on today's episode, but if you're curious about more, you could always reach out and ask me, hey, how, how can I measure my body fat? Okay. Practical takeaways. I want to conclude with that. So the first, the first big takeaway is tracking. <laughs> How often have I mentioned this and people don't do it? I have people reach out to me all the time saying, like, I'm, I, I can't lose weight no matter how little I eat. And my first question is, are you tracking? No, 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 I'm not tracking. It's tedious or whatever other excuse, insert excuse here. All right. Well, Come back to me after you track for about three or four weeks. Go use Mac, go download MacroFactor, use my code Wits and Weights, 
best app around. It dynamically adjusts your metabolism. You'll know very quickly what you're putting in your mouth, quality, uh, how much protein, all of that, even if you don't try to hit targets, just to be aware, just to get that you know level of awareness. Then you can use that same tool to be very precise with your fat loss phase and be very confident that you're going to get there uh, in a reasonable amount of time without floundering around and constantly hitting plateaus. The second thing related to that is going at the proper rate of loss. We mentioned earlier that rapid fat loss is not sustainable and it, kill, it reduces muscle mass. We want to keep that rate of loss between a quarter and 1% per week. Okay. Strength training is a must, period. If you listen to this show, you should be strength training. I'm not going to say by now. If it's the first episode you ever listened to, go check out a bunch of my other episodes and, and kind of get the bug for why training is pretty much a necessity for everyone on this planet. If you want to be strong, fit, and have a great uh, body composition as well and, and have good health, but you have to be strength training with progressive overload. Um, you want to be walking uh, to some extent, you know, eight to 12,000 steps is reasonable. For most people, it's a great target. If you're not there yet, work your way up over time by incorporating fun activities that get you those steps. And then other cardio is really kind of optional, but in certain scenarios uh, during fat loss, it can be helpful to add a little bit to the calorie burn. Prioritizing sleep, prioritizing recovery, prioritizing your self-care, and of course, eating plenty of protein and eating in a sustainable way that lets you get through the diet without feeling too miserable because it's not the most fun to be dieting. <laughs> it's not like a walk in the park, but it should be as easy as you could make it. And if you missed it or you want to go back in the archives, one of our most popular episodes is that covers all of this in much more detail is episode 40. Episode 40, everything you need to know about fat loss, simple strategies for a fitter, leaner body. Again, just search for episode 40 and have a listen for my detailed breakdown on fat loss. All right. So to sum it all up, Fat burning is, it's complex biologically. It doesn't have to be that complex practically. So biologically, it's this dance of hormones, of enzymes, of intracellular transport, respiration, metabolic processes, all these things that happen that unlock that pesky stored fat from your fat cells to create energy that then eliminates waste products for, from your body in the form of CO2 and water ultimately resulting in both weight and fat loss. Okay, so before we sign off, I did want to mention that among our uh, free guides are three that are related to fat loss that you might be interested in, and I, I might be adding more um, soon here. One is on rapid fat loss, one is on female fat loss, and one is on fat loss refeeds. Uh, but again, if you want just the big picture on fat loss, go check out episode 40. If you want one of these three guides, check them out at witsandweights.com slash free or click the link in the show notes. You can always just go to witsandweights.com and click free stuff at the top as well. And you can find all the free guides with more being added all the time. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed the little bit of science, a little bit of practical, a little bit of myth busting like we do on the show. And in our next episode, 147, a brand new way to work out at home with Josh York. Discover the journey behind this interesting company called Gym Guys and its unique in-home training model. You'll learn about Josh's intense, and I mean intense, and he's an intense guy, his intense personal health regimen and how he balances everything, his views on the fitness industry, and of course, some practical strategies for training, building muscle, and optimizing your fitness. As always, stay strong, 
and I'll talk to you next time here on the Wits and Weights podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wits and Weights. If you found value in today's episode and know someone else who's looking to level up their wits or weights, please take a moment to share this episode with them. And make sure to hit the follow button in your podcast platform right now to catch the next episode. Until then, stay strong. Hey, before you go, I want to let you know about a free resource I have. They are free guides on everything from fat loss to eating out to building muscle to managing hunger to figuring out the best macros for you and more being added all the time. You want to get the most out of these podcasts and your time to look and feel your best, and these free guides will give you a quick and easy way to know what to do. If you want to get your hands on these completely free guides, you can head over to witsandweights.com slash free. That's witsandweights.com slash free to get your free guides and level up your results today.